If you turn with me in the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 2, and the verses 25 through to 35 are our text. Though it will not be all of our text for today, it will occupy us for some time, this text. But I want to especially draw your attention this morning to verse 25. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. Simeon, the even-tied man. Simeon, the even-tied man. Behold, there was a man, Simeon. I want to consider with you for a time this devout and pious man, Simeon, and his two prophecies. Luke is the only gospel that records this man. He is the only writer who tells us about him, and Luke only tells us about him in this place, which is our text in chapter 2. Now, Luke does record several encounters with the baby Jesus. Simeon is not the first. The humble shepherds had that privilege. I think it was fitting that it was shepherds who should first see the great shepherd. I think it was fitting that shepherds should leave their flock and their lambs and go and see the great Lamb of God. That's to take away the sin of the world. But after the shepherds had that great privilege, it was two elderly people next that were to enjoy that privilege that Luke tells us about. Simeon is next in line, our subject for the coming weeks, and after him, this godly widow, Anna. And whenever we think about Simeon throughout these studies, I want you to keep in mind two things primarily about him. First of all, he is the man who possessed Christ. He held him in his arms. He possessed the child. And then the other thing to keep in mind about him is, as he possessed the child and held the child, the other thing to keep in mind is he preached Christ. And he delivered two sermons concerning him. So it's Simeon then, the even-tied man, which I want to consider with you. The first thing that I want to think about with you is, why do I call him the even-tied or the evening man? I do so for three reasons. The first is that he is evidently an old man. Now, it doesn't say that in the text, but when you read the narrative and in the tradition of the church, it has always been accepted that he's an old man not far from death, who probably 
in ordinary circumstances should have been dead, but he's been kept alive for this event. So both Simeon and Anna are senior citizens. And one commentator, quite amusingly, has called these two passages which deal with Simeon and Anna, he's called these two passages senior moments. And that's a good title for them. And we are looking at one of those senior moments. So we call this an eventide moment. These are probably among the last things that these two people will do. In fact, as I said, they have been kept alive for this eventide event. And now they're being rewarded with a glimpse of Jesus for their great faithfulness. In fact, there is a tradition about Simeon in the Eastern Orthodox Church, a tradition that he was one of the men who was sent by the Sanhedrin to Alexandria to translate the Hebrew Scriptures into the Greek, one of the seventy. And that's only a tradition, it's certainly not biblical, but if that is the case, that this man could be near 300 years of age or thereabouts. And the tradition is very strong in the Ethan Orthodox Church that Simeon lived over 300 years of age. So that, that's the tradition. And so even if the tradition's not true, the context of it is telling us he, he's near death, probably should have died, he's an old man, he's been kept alive till Messiah comes. And the tradition says that whenever he was translating Isaiah, because he was given the task of translating Isaiah into Greek, the tradition says, and when he came to Isaiah 7, verse 14, and behold, a virgin shall conceive, he was a bit dubious about using the word virgin and wanted to put in the word woman because he was having problems with the virgin birth. And at that stage, the tradition says, and the angel appeared to him, and told him he wouldn't die until he'd seen the virgin mother with her child. Just a tradition, but nevertheless an interesting one. And what we're saying is, he's an old man, he's been kept alive by the power of the Holy Spirit till this event. God told him, you'll not die. No matter how old you get, you'll not die until you see my Christ, born of a virgin. And so he is in the eventide of life. He's an old man. Simeon, the eventide man. And then another reason is that it's a fitting picture here. Simeon, it's night for him. His day is nearly over. But he meets one who he calls the light to the Gentiles. He's meeting one who's going to bring in a new day. Simeon now is passing away, but the son of righteousness is arising with healing on his wings. And so the whole picture, the whole scene is suitable for an eventide um, kind of mind and thought about it. And then the third reason is his prophecies. He actually utters two prophecies. It is particularly the first one that the church has used in its evening services because for over 1,700 years the church has been singing 
the Nunc Demetus, that is, this song of Simeon, now dismiss thy servant, O Lord. Now, the Nunc Demetus is the Latin translation of the Greek. The word Lord does not come first in the Greek. It's later on in the sentence. The first words are now dismiss. And it's a kind of a a nighttime expression. Now dismiss. Good night, Lord. It's nighttime now. It's time to go. Dismiss me. And the church has caught on to that. And they've used it as, as an evening song. And they've chanted this for 1,700 years in the Eastern and the Western traditions of the Christian church. An eventide song. And so the church has always looked upon it as the one to sing before the dawn of a new day. A song the church has chanted, even as Simeon chanted it with Christ in his arms, a song that has brought cheer to many. Now mine eyes have seen thy salvation. A song that has cheered the hearts of scores of thousands who have laid their heads down in sleep, trusting in Jesus Christ. And so it's an eventide song. For that reason, these reasons, I call him the eventide man. I think probably the fact that Simeon is a man about to die rings home with us. It certainly has rung home with the church down through the ages, and this evening's song seems to ring home with us. A song for the eventide of life. And men and women, we're all getting older. And some of us are in the eventide of life. Really, we are. And even if some of us are not that old, it may be that we're near death. And though it's not known, we could be at the eventide of our lives. So I think this is a good man to consider, especially if you're elderly, especially if you're old, and especially really if us all aren't that far from death. And so I think it's a good subject that we're looking at over these coming services. So we want to be sure that we've seen Christ. We want to be sure that in the eventide of our life, we have embraced him that we possess him, and that we have the confidence to be able to sing this song. Though we die tonight, or though we die tomorrow, we can sing this song and say, Now dismiss thy servant, Lord, for I have surely seen thy salvation, and I know that I'm saved. You want to be able to all to be able to say that. And that's why I've chosen this subject for our meditation and our thoughts over these coming weeks. The next thing that I want to point out about this eventide man is the company that he is in as he meets in the temple and as he utters these two blessed prophecies. It is important that we know the characters in the drama And at the center, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we read about Joseph and Mary at all, isn't it? That's why we read about Simeon and all the rest. It's Christ. 
He's in the center of the text. He's the one being embraced. Everybody's gathered around him. There he is, the child Jesus. He's the one being sung about and proclaimed. And so in the very heart and the center of the drama is the Lord Jesus, that holy child, not long born, God incarnate, only 40 days old. Just 40 days old. And he is the one embraced and adored and prophesied of and sung about and chanted in this holy prophecy. But because he is a baby at this stage in his humanity, of necessity we read that his parents are there. That's how they're described. Joseph and Mary are his parents. Now we know Joseph is not the biological father, but he is the adoptive father and is a true parent of Jesus Christ, his parents. Joseph, a man of God indeed, the quiet man who never says very much except one word, Jesus. Jesus is the only word that has ever been recorded that he spoke. He spoke it at a circumcision. He called his name Jesus But that quiet man, that godly man, that most devout man of God is here in the story in his quietness and in his silence as usual, but his faith in his Savior and Redeemer nonetheless. And then, of course, there's Mary, the mother of the child. And so the parents have brought Jesus into this situation. And then there is Simeon as well. But there is someone else. Invisible, but they're nonetheless powerfully present, as truly present, as really present, as Simeon, as Joseph, as Mary, and as the Lord Jesus Christ. There is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is present in the text. He's in the center of the story. In fact, he's the one who brought Simeon in at this time. He is the one who has come down upon Simeon. He is the one who touches the lips of Simeon so that he chants this holy prophecy. The Holy Spirit is there. The Holy Spirit always accompanies the humanity of Jesus Christ. Wherever you read of the humanity of Jesus Christ, you can be sure of this. The Holy Ghost is there. The Holy Ghost is there. And the Holy Spirit is here. In fact, he's mentioned three times. There's a threefold mention of him in the text. The Holy Ghost was upon Simeon, verse 25. It was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost, verse 26. And verse 27, he came by the Spirit into the temple. He didn't come in on his own. The Holy Ghost took him by the hand and said, Simeon, it's time. It's near the end. I'm going to show you Jesus before you die. And the Holy Spirit took him by the hand and brought him into the temple. So don't miss that fifth person. The Holy Ghost is here. And that's why this is such a powerful text. That is why this is such a a soul-saving drama. If you only go in and join these five persons and be yourself present and that same Holy Spirit work in your heart as you read the story that he has created in the history of his providence. 
It's here to draw you in and to save your soul. That blessed dove is hovering about so quietly, so invisible, but he's here. Just like he's here, brethren and sisters, thank God for the Holy Ghost. He's here. You know, there's an interesting verse in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit is pictured by a dove, as you know, and whenever he came on the, whole, on the Lord Jesus at the baptism, it was in the form of a dove that he so did. But the first time that we read of a dove is in the book of Genesis and the chapter 8. And you remember that the dove came to him, and that's Noah. But you know when the dove came to him? In the eventide. That's what it says. The dove came to him in the eventide with a leaf plucked off. And that's what the Holy Spirit now is doing to Simeon. He's coming to him in the eventide and he has a beautiful leaf plucked off, a symbol of a new day. It's Jesus. And Simeon, like old Noah, is taking that leaf plucked off to hold it and to think about God's salvation and the new day. So the dove comes to him in the eventide, and that's what's happening now here. And may the holy dove come to us, men and women as well, and may he come to you just like he came to Simeon, and may he cause you to hold, embrace Jesus Christ. And so may this story bring us to the Saviour. So the Holy Spirit then is very prominent in the text and he has recorded in Luke's Gospel for this reason. He wants you to meet Jesus Christ the way Simeon did. That's what the Holy Spirit wants. For sinners to know him and to see him and embrace him for you and me to have the same faith of old Simeon especially if we're old ourselves and near death. The third thing, as we work our way through this pericope, the third thing is the Holy Spirit's highlighter as we go into the text. How does the Holy Spirit introduce the story? Behold, and behold, there was a man that's how the Holy Spirit introduces it. You know, we just read over it, don't we? I mean, if there's one word that us sinners seem to ignore, it's the word behold. And yet it's the very first word, and the Holy Spirit doesn't want us to ignore it. He really wants to alert us. And he's saying, you know, don't just read through this. Don't just read through the words. I don't want you to hear it. I want you to behold it. I want you to see it. I want you to be drawn in, drawn in to look at it and to see it and to consider it. That's what I want. And that's what the, the Holy Spirit doesn't just want you to read this passage, you know, at a certain time of year. Oof, that's it. We've done that for this year. No. The amazing thing about this word is how sinners just go over it. We miss a word. You're not to miss a word. The Holy Spirit says, Behold, look, give attention. Now, I think the word behold does two things, at least in this text. First of all, it's telling us, here's a rare man. Behold, there was a man. He's a rare man. You'll not meet many a man like this. 
and the Holy Spirit's telling us, here's a special man, and this is a special scene, and I want you to behold it, to use your eyes, your imagination, to look. You know, you have to come to the Bible, and not just hear it, you have to look. Look. Behold. It's in the imperative. So, this is a rare man, and don't you miss him. But then, the secondly, and mainly this is the reason why the Holy Spirit uses it, there's so much edification in here. There's so much instruction in here. There is so much that will be of a sanctifying nature to you, child of God, and there is so much that will do you good, sinner, if you'll just look, if you'll just pause and pay attention and spend some time instead of rushing through it in in a half an hour sermon, if you just pause and spend some time and look, behold, that's what we're going to do. The Holy Spirit has said to us, behold, and that's that's just exactly what we're going to do. We're going to behold. And may the Holy Spirit help us. So lift up your eyes and look. Yes, it's eventide. Just as I was thinking about eventide and the eventide man, I thought of Isaac. Because you know what Isaac did at the eventide? The Bible says he went out into the field at eventide to meditate. To meditate. This is the eventide man. And this passage is the field. And that's what we're doing. We're going out into the field to meditate meditate. But you know, it doesn't only say that Isaac went out into the field to meditate. You know what else it says? He lifted up his eyes. He lifted up his eyes and saw and behold, behold, and he got his bride. And that's what we have to do, men and women. We have to go into the field. It's eventide. This is the eventide man. If there's an eventide scene in the Bible, this is it. And we're going into the field at the eventide and we're going to meditate, but we have to lift up our eyes. We have to behold. And we have to look with the Holy Spirit at what he wants us to see, what he's going to point out. We have to look. And that's, that takes time. And it takes you to be here every meeting too in the field. If you, want to, if you want to behold with the Holy Spirit, you're going to have to be in the field in all these meetings where we're looking at this, this passage. And so lift up your eyes and look with me until we see Jesus Christ. And so may we have a Christ-embracing experience as real and as true as blessed Simeon's. Behold there, there, there was a man. There was a man. So we have to look. So we have to use your eyes. You have to join with me in lifting up your eyes to discern what the Holy Spirit would teach us. And it'll be good to pray as well. Because, you know, even though we lift up our eyes, we're still so blind. How many times have you read this passage? How many times have you heard it this time of year? And you've seen nothing in it yet. Why? Because we're so blind. That's why. We're so blind. And as we go into it, we have to say, Open thou mine eyes. Lord, I'm not like old Isaac. Isaac could see afar off. 
He had good vision. He was a man of God and had good vision. But Lord, I'm blind. Open thou mine eyes that I must see. Lord, whatever there is to see, open my eyes that I may. Are you praying that? Open thou mine eyes. You remember how the Lord came to the blind man? Imagine asking a blind man this. What would you have that I do to you? I mean, we might think that's a silly question to ask a blind man that. But it wasn't a silly question. Because, you know, there are some blind men who didn't want to see. You know why they didn't want to see? Because they were getting all the money. That's why. Sitting at the temple. It's good business being a blind man. You get plenty of money. If I get my eyes back, (laughs) that money will stop. I'll have to go out and work in the fields like everybody else. So there were some blind men didn't want to see. And so Jesus asked them, do you want to see? Do you want to see? Do you want to see, man? Do you really want to see? What wouldst thou that I do to you, Jesus says to you? What, what do you want me to do to you? Fill my bank account, Lord. Take away my aches and pains. Is that all you want? Lord, that I might see. That I might see you. That I'd see spiritually. That I'd see eternal things. There's people who don't want to see that. And the Lord would ask them what they want. And that'll not be top of the list. Do you want to see? Do you want to see the Lord Jesus? Open thou mine eyes that I may see wondrous things out of this text. So we have to pray as we come into this passage. And then the next thing that the Holy Spirit highlights is Simeon's humanity. His humanity. Because the text says, Behold, there was a man. What is Simeon? He's a man. Now that's not a redundant expression. The Holy Spirit, he doesn't just write things down, you know, just to fill up the the space. If there's anyone who is succinct with words, it's the Holy Ghost. And he wants us to pause here. What is Simeon first and foremost? Is he first and foremost a priest? Is he first and foremost a member of the Sanhedrin? Is he first and foremost elderly? No, he's first and foremost a man. He's a man! You know, there are eight men in the Bible, in the Gospel of Luke, that is, who are introduced to us in this way, or or a very similar way. Eight men. Four of them are named, four of them are not named. And all of these eight men found marvelous grace. Marvelous grace. In fact, it's a, it's a wonderful way to study the Gospel of Luke and have a series of sermons on, on encounters with Christ uh, around these, these eight men. The first is Simeon. And then there was in the synagogue, there was a, a man, there was a man with an unclean spirit. And then in the synagogue again in chapter 6, there was a man whose right hand was withered. And then in chapter 7, there was coming out of Nain, there was a man dead. A dead man. And then there was a man named Jairus. And then there was a certain man which had the dropsy. And then there was a man named Zacchaeus. And last of all, there was a man named Joseph, the counselor. The first and the last of those eight men 
held Christ. The first held him as a baby. The last held him as a corpse, a dead man. And he took him down from the cross. Joseph, the counselor. But Simeon is the first. And only Simeon utters spirit-inspired prophecies. He stands out at the portal of the Gospel of Luke as a special and a unique man. There was a man. In fact, the word occurs twice. The same man, the text says. The same man, it says there in verse verse 25, the same man was just and devout. He is an anthropos. He is a man. Now, why is that so important? That he is primarily a man, the same man. Why is the Holy Spirit emphasizing his humanity? He's not emphasizing his masculinity. That's not what this is about. It's not man in in contrast to woman. No, no. It's his humanity. This is a word for, not the male. There's a word for male and there's a word for female. This is the word for, this is a man. Humanity. A human being. He's emphasizing his humanity. And the woman is not excluded from the expression. The Holy Spirit is saying, as you come into this drama, here's someone like you. A man. And as Simeon has had this encounter, so you, if you are a man, you can have this encounter as well. Because Jesus Christ came for men. Do you remember how the disciples said, Lord, will we command fire to come down out of heaven and consume this village? And he says, what? You don't know of what spirit you are. The Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. This is a man, Simeon, the Lord has come to save. The Lord has come from, for men. You know, there are angels in heaven, and they would love to be doing this job of holding the child Jesus. They would love if he was brought into heaven's temple, and they could hold him up. But he's not brought into heaven's temple. He's brought into the earth's temple for men, for you and for me. You know the only qualification for you to have Jesus Christ? You know what the only qualification for you to have Jesus Christ is? That you're a man. That's all. Are you a man? You're not an angel, are you? None of us will say we're angels. We're not from outer space. We're not aliens. You're a man. You can have Jesus Christ. You can have him. He's come for men. That's what the Holy Spirit's telling us. A man. The child has come into the arms of a man. God incarnate has come into the hands of a man. A man who's a sinner. And so he's a man. Are you a man? Then Christ can be yours. You only have to be a human being to take him up. And put him to your heart. Mine. Mine. I take him as mine. You just have to be a human being. 
So the Holy Spirit is saying, look, look, you see, he's a man, he's a man like you. You can be like this man. And so I bring you into the passage that you, a man, an elderly man, a man in the even tide of life might have an encounter with Jesus Christ. Behold, there was a man. Will you be this man? Are you this man? Taking up Christ. And so I say to you, be like Simeon. If you're a man, be like Simeon. Even in your old age. It's not too late. It's not too late. It might be the even tide of life. It could be very late on. You went years without taking him and embracing him. It's even tight, but it's not too late. Take him. Take him. Let's pray then.